and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is David Sterry. Now David, the lead singer of the Australian band Real Life, they had a major hit back in the 80s with Send Me an Angel. They actually had a hit with it twice back in 1983 and then once again in 1989 with the slightly remixed version of it. David talks about the song, talks about the band's career whole. They're still out there. They're performing on the 80s tours. And we talk about that, just playing a couple songs rather than playing an entire set list. Uh, They're an extremely underrated band. They should have been bigger than they really were. David talks about that. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. Do you think there's like um, maybe a market for, say, you you and maybe another band to go out? I'd like to do that. I'd much rather do. I'd much rather do that because you know I've got a body of work now. You know I've finally realised in my old age that what I did with my life was makeable. I made music for a band called Real Life, and um, uh, the older I get, the less you know I'm, the less time I have that I know that I'll be able to perform. And uh, I, I I don't want to be just doing two or three songs a night. I want to sort of um, play stuff from the catalogue. And I know from being out there playing, you know, I've got I've got, got four songs rehearsed, and sometimes I'm reduced to one song if there's a, a curfew and there's too many acts on in the night. Right. Um, but I've, I've, only, I've got four songs. I've got God's Night, Babies, uh, Catch Me, I'm Falling an Angel, of course. Um, but, and people are always asking for more songs. You know, they're going, oh, I would love to have heard, you know, this, this, and this. Yes, yeah. right. You know, it's so many acts. But I'd love to go. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of the tour that B52 um, Berlin. And LMD on because that that's you know it's a nice comfortable number where each band can sort of present their best of or whatever they want to do. I'd love to do that, but yeah, yeah, that would be great. Cause, yeah, because I would uh, I'd be pissed if I can't because uh, Flame is my favorite song by you guys.
I've been playing it. I, re- I rediscovered playing I've got a new lineup of real... You know, real life is sort of standing behind me. No one can actually officially join me. It's, it's too late right. having say, a new band member. But um, I have a brand new lineup in Australia that I'm very, very happy with. I've got, I've got two synth players, so everything's running... Because a lot of our synths were actually... Our bass parts were actually synths, and we had this guy playing, and I don't know, I want the synth sounds. And so I've got two synthesizer players, and... Um, and a fabulous drummer, and um, we open with Flame, you know, and, okay. and, and I've kind of rediscovered that going, you know, I do love that song very, very much, and uh, I love hearing it and, and playing, and that's been opening the set um, for proper real-life shows, yeah. Oh, great, yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's a fantastic song. I mean, it's good yeah, because it's a shame because I know it's like in the States, obviously Angel and a couple other songs, but your, your catalog is it's fantastic. and a lot yeah, of, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of like the other albums, man. I feel bad; they kind of went by the wayside. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a case of sort of find. We wanted to find a balance. We were getting we were getting so screwed over by record companies one way or another, like not just um, them losing interest in us, but also our major record company was liquidated and bankrupted, and you know our manager, who was the record company, also went to jail. We sort of we went down the independent path, and perhaps a little bit early or something, in that. Um, there wasn't uh, there was the internet, but there wasn't uh, YouTube and there wasn't um, iTunes and stuff. Right. Then we were still trying to sell CDs. Yeah. So we kind of lost some ground there being independent, but we were very happy being independent. It was like, wow, we can we can do this and do that and do this and do that. So <laughs> we did, and we paid the price. <laughs> right. You know, I, I hear you. Yeah. Like, like, what what do you think about you know the state of the industry now? Um, it's different, and um, uh, for me, actually, there's, there's new streams of income. I, I miss, um, in some ways, um, the business of having a record company and, and having a producer and making vinyl or CDs, but um, I see that people aren't going to go back to that, although I love the resurgence in vinyl, and I'm, the, there's a new album that we're making, or I'm making, uh, that's going to be on vinyl for sure. Um, uh, but, but there's there's some doors have closed, but other doors have opened, and I think it's I'm so glad that I'm sort of um, uh, not starting over now like young people. I think, oh my god, how are I going to get anywhere? They're so good, and um, Spotify doesn't pay you much, and iTunes right. doesn't pay you much, and uh, you've got to do most of the promotion yourself. And um, you know, you have I sort of really think, oh god, I'm, glad, I'm so glad that I'm not doing in that position anymore. You know. And it doesn't matter, you know. There's no way I'm going to have a hit record again, or you know, right? And I don't even care. It doesn't. That's just not a part of it anymore. Um, But yeah, it's it's changed a lot. And I guess some maybe younger artists starting don't know the old world anyway. So they, you know, this is their world, and they they operated in that way, and they don't miss the old days because they didn't. They weren't there. Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, like, you know, music's easy to get out. Like, you know, all the streaming sites, but you know, you said you make pennies, you know, for yeah. each play, so it's yeah, yeah, you know. that's, yeah, that, that's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think, um, excuse me, coffee, I've got a cold. I mentioned I had a cold. Um, uh, yeah, they, they, it's just no one ever seems to stand up to the artists very much in the industry, but right, yeah, you know, there, there are sort of publishing standards, there's a thing called the um, the statutory rate of copyright and things like that, but. No one's got to, you know, no one's sort of standing up to these Spotify people and saying, look, 
you know, that 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 work is worth more than what you're paying, and and the people people making adverts are sort of making more selling adverts that are making more money than the people making music. So that's a bit of a worry. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think now day and age of fans, I don't think they really care what what the artists. Can no, they don't. On your phone right now, you can play whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I don't care. Also, having said that, you know, I've been doing these big road journeys in, in cars through Texas in the last week. Uh, I'm enjoying listening to whatever I feel like listening to without ads and without, you know, DJs and stuff. Not that I don't like DJs, but um, listening to, you know, any kind of music I want to listen to, which is good. Yeah, it's great. You know, like I have a satellite radio on my car and listen to that all the time. And yeah, it's fantastic. You know, all the genres. It's very, you know, yeah, specific to you know, what you want. And you know, it's uh, it's it's good and bad. You know, but mm-hmm. yeah, but um, yeah. Let's let's go back a little bit. Uh, when you you know first got involved in music, how how did that happen? Like, who were some of your influences? Uh, I guess. I was sort of a late starter in that um, I'd never imagined having a career in music. This is in my, like, you know, 23, <laughs> um, And I was kind of listening to a lot of, you know, heavy metal, well, metal was Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and prog rock being Pink Floyd and Yes, and listening to that stuff and, and going, well, I'm just not a good enough musician to be able to do that as a guitar player, and I certainly had no idea that I was going to become a singer or a songwriter. I did want to write songs. Um, so when the punk thing came along and it sort of brought it back to everything back to the basic three chords, you know, I thought there was some hope. And then all of a sudden they introduced the synthesizers with a new way. And I thought, yeah, I, I want to make music like that with a combination of synths and guitars. So the late 70s, Gary Newman, um, uh, uh, Joy Division, New Order, Joy Division, uh, they're the ones that sort of said, well, I want to do that, you know. Right, yeah, um, and like when you were coming up, you know, like starting with the band, I mean, there are so many other great Australian acts uh, in excess, uh, Midnight Oil, uh, Ice House, uh, I know uh, Prater House is from New Zealand, but all, all these fantastic bands were uh, working their way up. Yeah, um, that, and, and we worked with all of them too. It was a really exciting time in Australia, was we called the pub scene. And there's a whole lot of bands breaking through, like you mentioned. Uh, and we were just starting out. And we started out as a, a three-piece guitar, bass, and keyboards with a drum machine. And we would be uh, supporting all of those bands that would be, would sort of try to uh, win audience, parts of the audience every night that would open for whether it was Ice House or uh, Midnight Oil. Um, and we'd sort of steal some crowd and build up from there. And there was people would go out seven nights a week uh, in Melbourne, where I live, and see new bands that, that I only heard a demo tape of on the radio. You could get a demo tape on the radio without being released, and there'd be a buzz about new bands, and we sort of became the hottest, hardest-working band in Melbourne um, for about a year before we were signed to a record label. So, that, you know, they were, they were great. In, in fact, I think the 12 months immediately before Send Me an Angel coming out were probably the happiest musical days of my life. So we just had a ball because we didn't care about anything. We played every night and played well and built up a crowd. It was, it was fabulous. How, how did the band form? Uh, via an ad in the paper, actually. Okay. A friend of mine came knocking on my door 
early one Saturday morning with the the, the, the Melbourne Age newspaper that had an advert in for uh, in it that a keyboard player looked for a guitar player to write songs with, and 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 that's sort of what I wanted to do. So I rang the number, and my life's been different ever since. Yeah, so that was his number was Richard Dutorsky. Uh, and we, we decided we were going to become songwriters, uh, not really a band. Uh, we just wanted to start writing songs, but Richard eventually decided, now we need to be a band. And um, So we found a bass player and went out as the three-piece with the drum machine, and uh, we had a rule we were never going to play a cover song. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so we, had to, we had to have a, a set of songs that were our own, that were good enough to play, and then people would want to come and see. So that was a... And this found foundation of it. And then um, we were urged by just about everybody to get a drummer, so we eventually did. And uh, that's how it all started. Did our songwriting come easy to you? No, it's still hard work to this day. <laughs> but like, a, and I've, you know, I've often found comfort in reading about other songwriters' stories and that a really good song seems to come from nowhere. You don't know where it is and it takes right. no time at all. Uh, and other songs take ages and they're usually not as good, never as good as the ones that come quickly. So, no, I've always um, struggled with my songs. Um, uh, they've been real, a real chore, uh, although a lot of that has to do with my lack of confidence in myself that, um, you know, I don't think of myself as a very good songwriter, even though other people um, do, I'm very flattered, but I don't think that way. And I have to really kind of psych myself and get really tired and really frustrated. So in the end, kind of my subconscious that comes along and writes the song for me, I think. Yeah, well, you should listen to those people because, you know, <laughs> the songs you've written have been fantastic. So. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, never, I kind of always brush that up. I'm never good. You know, I do appreciate what people think, but that's never the way that I think. You know, I'll never right. kind of think, I, you know. I know I've got some great songs, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the album. I'm kind of really happy, and they were written sort of fairly easy, I guess because I um, I don't think anyone has any expectations of me, and um, I don't have any expectations of myself either, I just thought, okay, I'm going to write what comes out, and if people like it, great, and if they don't, that's okay, because I like it. Right, so then I would imagine, like, Angel came pretty quick to you guys. Oh, absolutely, yeah, very much so, yeah, yeah. So, and the funny thing is, funny is you mentioned Flame earlier, Flame was actually very slow, but it was good, you know, in the end it's... You know, that's a, that's a uh, the other side of the coin. That Angel was fast and playing was slow, but playing was still a really good song. And has some um, uh, has some value, I think. Yeah, because I, I, playing is like such a like a different song. It just like it's almost like two songs. You know, how it just the tempo in the beginning yeah. and it really picks up in the middle, and it's just you know. Yeah. Well, that was um that was actually uh, for me that was Dennis Horsky's. This piece of music, really. And the thing was, um, we had this new drum machine because we had a sponsorship with Roland. And um, the, the sound of the drums was changing at that time. There was the big 80s drum sound of um, the gated drums with, with the verb that's gated at the end. Uh, and there was the wind drum that had, uh, which is a classic Blue Monday kind of ding, ding, red little bass drum. And all of a sudden, Roland came with this. Funny little machines, the 808 and the 909, and I hated them. They said, <laughs> "Been crappy to me." Uh, but Richard, you know, had this sort of uh, reverse beat going on the on the 909, and then 
recording the cellos, you know, the beautiful da 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 which I just love. And, uh, yeah, it was a really strange piece of music, but I think it's one of the best things he ever did. And right. um, and then it goes into the chorus, you know, it's kind of it's all strange verses, and then the, the chorus belts out with the real drums, and, and I go up and off giving the in the vocal department. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so was that how like much fun was putting together like Heartlands? Fun? Oh, please <laughs> stop the world. What's that? Fun. <laughs> um, uh, with Heartlands, I mean, with, with going to the studio in the early days is like so daunting because uh, you know you bought records all your life and all of a sudden you're making one. And you're not really sure how the studio works, how you record the drums first, you play it together, what goes on, or or even, you know, how the 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 twenty four track tape machines worked and there was a sync track and what did all the reverbs and echoes do. So we were just really nice we didn't know what we were doing, but we had we were keen enough to have a fabulous producer from England called Steve Hillage who produced well one he was a a famous guitar player in his own right, but he'd also produced uh, a couple of early Simple Minds albums, including the album, which was a benchmark for us. We wanted to sound like that. Um, and he came out and he kind of guided us through it. So it was a lot of hard work and a lot of stress. But kind of, I, I do remember the whole thing fondly, but also I was still finishing some of the songs um, while we were recording. And I thought, oh, God, what am I going to do? Am I going to get get through this. Uh but Steve Hillage kind of guided us and uh yeah I kinda of look back on that one, yeah, thinking, yeah, that was well maybe not fun, but it was a uh, a a good task to be sort of have to do. It was good. Were you, were you so kind of surprised that Angel was like the signature song from that album? Uh no, no I love Angel. <laughs> <laughs>
and I knew it was going to be the signature song for sure. There's no doubt. It was just it, it, when when I got it in my head, you know, when it, when sort of I had all the words in the chorus. Um, it's really funny being a songwriter because you're walking around with this song that's a hit in your own head, whether or not it's going to make it for radio. It was a hit in my brain. I couldn't get it out of my head. Right. So, um, yeah. Because, yeah, like, yeah, yeah I, I think, maybe Catch Me on Falling, which that, that's also a great song. I thought maybe I, that would be... I liked Catch Me on Falling. I hated it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't stand it. In fact... In fact, Richard gave me the music and said, oh, here, here he is, I've got the follow-up to send me an angel. You go, he said, and I always knew from Richard when he said that I was going to love it, I would, that I would hate it. He said, oh, you're going to love this. And of course, I hated it straight away. Uh, that was before it had all the vote code and everything like that. was Steve Village put the... It's actually the remix that became the hit, not the original. Um, and I got it and I thought, OK, I'm going to write this really stupid song. And the, the, at least the boys will go, no, that's crap. You, you, know, you really failed right. there. And they didn't. They loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So 
Because <laughs> even when you try to write, write a crappy song, you write a great song. So they, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, was, yeah. But uh, but looking back, I mean, I play it now, and I and I do like it now. Right. Um, but um, but sort of, I didn't. What I didn't realize is it's got all the everything is. Songwriters try to polish what we call our hooks. Is, is making the parts as memorable as possible. And when I analyze them, um, Catch Me and Send Me an Angel, all the parts work. You know, the introduction on the keys, the angel, the introduction with the um, mechanical voice on uh, on Catch Me, and the melodies, uh, and yeah, the, the, the bit before the chorus, it all works into a, what's a, a well-crafted song. You know, I, don't, you know, I wasn't trying to do that, but that's the way it ended up being. I go, okay, that's a benchmark. That is a book craft itself, and that's what I should do. Yeah. Can, can you, I mean, I, I know, like, you, you obviously you play Angel and Catching on Falling on, you know, the Aiden store, but can you relate still to the Heartland album? Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I'm actually going to try to um, have him play Heartland itself um, for a long time. put that in the set. So, uh, lately I've been playing, as I mentioned opening this uh, flame, and then going straight into Burning Blue. So I've got those two, and then I love Open Hearted very much. Open Hearted was actually the single after Angel that completely, was a complete disaster, but I love it very much, and I love playing it, and people love it too. Um, yeah, that's a great song. And I've got um, Under the Hammer in this set too, so okay. I, I'd like to add Heartland itself. I've got a German to it really next year. I might, I might sort of put that in, you know, plus you've got to sort of balance things out that people want to hear and I'm always interested in people sort of sending me a set list of what they'd like to hear because I never know I know what I like, but what do they like, yeah. Yeah, now um, I like I, I discovered you guys, uh, I guess in 89, I was 14 when... You know, oh, you're a late starter. Yeah, late starter, yeah, <laughs> when, when, yeah, when the re-release of uh, Angel came out and yeah. I got, that was on the uh, compilation of Let's Fall in Luck. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's where I discovered you know uh, Flame and all the other ones and the Legends also is a fantastic song. It's also one of my favorites. God, I mean, I mean, funny you telling me songs going. Oh, I remember that vaguely. <laughs> Where are the answers, the riddle? 
but I think Red Sport loved that 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 remix version was great. That that should have been a single actually. I sort of was here, I think. I might have been here briefly, I'm not sure. But um that was a pretty good pretty good song I thought. Yeah. Now what was like the whole like idea of remixing like uh Angel to release it? Um, well, that was sort of my idea in that uh at the same time. Um there was a new mix by um a mix of Blue Monday, which is probably my favourite all time song and inspiration for, for for writing songs. Um there was a remix of Blue Monday that had become well sort of definitely became a hit again uh as well, um, in around uh eighty seven or eighty eight. And I kind of wondered out loudly in front of the record company going, Oh, I wonder what the remix of Semi Angel would sound like and they saw dollar signs in their eyes and uh, away it went. So, and then you know, it, I had no idea that they were going to try to, you know, re-release it and, and make it a hit again. I had, I just thought, no, a remix was all, was all I was thinking of. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, so when, when Heartland originally came out, did you come over to the states and tour and like play like any of those like late shows or anything like that? We 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 came over in '84 and toured with the Rhythmics. We did. A huge thirty-something show tour with the Rhythmics, um, and then we went through Canada on our own, and came down the East Coast again with um, people who become very good friends of ours, Berlin. Oh, okay. And uh, and uh, at, by the end of that tour, um, Angel had gone to number one in Germany, so then we had to go straight over there. But we were, we were over here, and we did all the, the TV shows. We did Solid Gold, and we did right. um, uh, American Bandstand. And all those legendary shows. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to say that we've been on those those TV shows. It was great. Right. Any any great stories from those shows? Um, there was a clip of um, uh, meeting Dick Clark. He was here. Um, at, at, when he, he announced us, he said, "Oh, these guys are from Australia. Australia is a great place." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and what he didn't know that uh, I'd been well, we'd been on tour for you know, months and been all over the world and we were like zombies. <laughs> and uh, we may have, you know, and I just kind of talk my head off when he comes through to me and I look, you know, I'm speaking like a zombie because I was a zombie at the time. Right. It's just life on the road. So when, obviously back in, the, in 89, when Angel was re-released, so did you have to redo everything all over again in support of that? <laughs> um... That was a bit strange because we were we were three quarters of the way through uh, making the the lifetime album with um, uh, God Tonight on it, and uh, it was a surprise and almost a bit of an embarrassment. You know, thinking, "Oh God, all these years later, we're still flogging the same the same dead horse," and we've got some new stuff ready. So it kind of set us back a little bit more than anything. Um, it was really strange. There's not many not many that doesn't happen with many songs. But it, but it did, and we just had to sort of deal with it and and um, do what we could. So it's a little bit like Lifetime is a really really good album, but just mm-hmm. like when the '90s hit, just the whole you know what was popular music kind of changed, and uh, yeah, it's unfortunate you know the timing of that album. Oh yeah, we there was a there was a real backlash to '80s bands. In fact, yeah, to the '90s. Not just me, but I know a lot of other people um, from our sort of genre were sort of put out of work. Basically, I don't, uh, I've got nothing against 
90s music. I, I love Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Uh, but I don't think um, people realise that, you know, there was a real backlash of people going, oh, you 80s bands, you don't play your instruments, you've got these stupid haircuts and stupid clothes. And um, that really put us out of work. So I was out of work for about 10 years. And um, uh, and the Lifetime album uh, kind of tanked, I guess, partly because of the, the change in, in direction of music. But it's still, a bit, I think it's a great album. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. But then, like, I guess the band took a little break, and then you came back. But probably mid to late '90s was happy. Which yes, I, yeah. Which is it's also, I mean, great. It's a great album. You guys, you, you know, obviously, I guess, evolved and kind of came a little more darker, more gothier. And uh, yeah, yeah. Are, are you fond of that album? Uh, very much so. Yeah, that was the that was the independent album. That's the one that where we just right. We're gonna do. Because when people people have seen us live, they always go, "Oh wow, they're much sort of heavier than we thought they'd be. They're not this little light pop band. They're a full-on, you know, band." Um, and that sort of expressed, I guess, more of what we were like. We really. so it wasn't uh, it was our independent album. We weren't trying weren't trying to write a single. We produced it ourselves, um, mixed it ourselves, and, and brought it out. Um, Going, we don't have anything to do with the rest of the country ever again. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, have you played any of those songs recently or no? Um, I'm gonna put something in. Uh, there's a song called "Everything Explodes" on there that's, that yeah. we usually uh, finish the set. I haven't not recently, but used to finish the set with, and I'm gonna do a reworking of that. It's kind of got a a Middle Eastern melody feel about it, and I want to do a sort of a a new kind of mix, you know, revision of that one and, and take it out as well. Yeah. Oh, and there's a song called Deep Sleep that I love very much as well. Yeah, yeah, Deep Sleep's a really good song as well. Mm-hmm. Also, well, you know, learning how to breathe.
Yeah, I love that. I forgot. I've forgotten all the songs. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's a good song. Um, yeah, there's loads of things on there. I think it's a very good album. Very good album. Yeah, like it's unfortunate that it's not. Uh, I mean, I, I have a CD version of it, but it's not on like the streaming sites. Ah uh, no, no. I've got to. I've got to try to address all that stuff because I actually haven't liked all that. Um, and it's really my fault that it's not there. I'm only just gone to social media. I've been dragged, kicking and screaming to get onto this thing. And um, I guess I've just got to do that. And, I'll, and one of the things I'll do is certainly get the happy stuff. There was, and there was also like a total remix of that album as well. Um, okay. That had some good called Happier. That had some great things. It was just every song on that album remixed. Okay. Um, some by us, some by other people. And uh, there's lots of good mixes on it. There's a song called Virus that was really good too. It was great fun to play. Yes, Virus. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, it's it's my fault. <laughs> right. oh. I'm a lazy, unsociable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you'll, you'll, eventually you'll get to it, right? <laughs> eventually, yeah. I, sooner rather than later, I've really got to... One, when I get home from this tour, is um, finish off the Farms album. And uh, and sort out all the the, the, the the Spotify stuff and, and iTunes stuff and uh, get it all up and running. The things that I have rights to and the things that I don't have rights to. So um, uh, up until up until Happy, I don't really have in the the US. I don't have the rights to. However, I do have the rights to um, Heartland Slam uh, and Lifetime in Australia and New Zealand, but I can't. Uh, or release anything for Europe and America. Oh, that seems... Are you working on getting the rights to those? Uh, no. I I can either be a musician or I can be a, go and do a law degree. It's just... It's taken up... It was 20 years... It took me 20 years of fighting to just finally um, find some royalties for um, the first couple of albums. Um, yeah. It was a long story with our Australian manager who was our record company, you know, going to jail and the record company liquidated and... Um, so through all uh, through all that nineties stuff as well, I was just sort of fighting for um, fighting liquidators and just to get my rights or the band's rights. So and that was draining. It really, you know, I can do one thing or other. I can't I can't write music when I'm doing legal things, and I can't do legal things when I'm writing music. Right, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be tough. But um, yeah. yeah. But then you mentioned, uh, yeah, obviously, Blue Monday. You mentioned mm-hmm. going with the uh, Rhythmix. You released a, a fantastic covers album, you know, the, 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 the Essentials. And, oh, yeah. yeah, and you, you know, we recorded uh, Angel. Um, Tears of Fears is my all-time favorite band. And, okay. um, yeah, so, like, I mean, I have no, like, obviously, rights or authority to, you know, stop people from covering songs. But, you know, so in songs that you love, you kind of have a special connection to, and it's like they feel like you're the, that they're your child, even though you have no rights to them. But your your cover of Shout was absolutely fantastic. Shout, shout,
recording on my own, producing on my own, but right. uh, it also, um, it's, it's done very well and paid very well. It's ClearTouch is a great company and um, it was really, you know, quite strange that it's taken, it's taken so well. It's been great. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's what, about 10 years old right now, that album. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. How, um, have you, did you hear, like, from any of the artists that you covered? Uh, no. No, 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 I haven't actually, no. Okay. No, that's a good thing, because there's no complaints, you know, I'd hate to... Right, that's good, that's true, right? Because, because I, I guess I idolize all of them, and I'd be like, oh, no, someone hates me. Right, yeah. 
Are there any like uh, cover versions of Angel that you like? Um, yeah, I will. This <coughs> excuse me, talking. Um, there's um, there's all sorts of versions, and I'm aware of all of them. But the one that makes me laugh the, mo- the most is the Gregorian monks. Yes, yes. That's, that's hilarious. But there's rockabilly versions, there's death metal versions, there's goth versions, there's acoustic versions, there's dance versions. I'm very flattered. There's at least half a dozen a year of new versions of it. Funny you mentioned the Gregorian chants because there's like a whole album of them just doing like 80s songs and it's it's, yeah. it's different but it's like it's hypnotic. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just a funny feather in your cap, you know. I can because I I do brag to my friends sometimes and my other friends that they, you know they haven't made it until the Gregorian monks have done a cover of their song. <laughs> yeah, right. Or or you're in a Grand Theft Auto game, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but um, yeah. Hopefully you'll finish uh, your album soon. That, that, that'd be fantastic to hear as well. It was mostly it was mostly finished. Um, it's called Sirens, and um, it's um, it's kind of funny. I'm laughing at myself for doing it in that um, it's I'm calling it progtronic in that it's kind of a tribute to, to some of the albums that I love very much. For example, one of them, and this comes nowhere near this gorgeous album, but Load by David Bowie is one of my favourite albums, where you've got one side that's virtually an instrumental kind of side with a little bit of vocal, and the other side is five quirky pop songs. So Sirens is, one side is, is this thing called Sirens. It is, it's sort of five miniature songs in some ways that sort of blend together in, into one track that goes from one side of the album. And it's um, it's kind of about the sirens, you know, the ones that lure the ships onto the rocks with their beautiful voices. And um, so it's this little journey of, of this person who saw the sirens singing, but he didn't hear them. 
and he wanted to hear the sirens. So that's a little epic on side one. And on side two, it's got um, five silly, kind of poppy, rocky, quirky songs. And I've tried to write a sing-along bit in every song. So um, it's very simple, so the crowd can hopefully get into it straight away. But I, I really want to... I played one of them last year with the launch of the new band lineup, And, you know, I want to... I want people to know some new songs when I go out on the road, so I've got at least two or something that I can play off this album. But also the Sirens album lends itself to be an album that I really would like to play from beginning to end, whether or not I get to do that. Play that, and I guess it, that, I guess that only lasts about 40 minutes, right. and then have an interval and do whatever anyone else, else wants me to play after that. You know, do a first half is Sirens, second half is, you know, by request almost. Yeah, yeah well, hopefully... Um You'll, you'll have it on the road soon, so I'd love to hear that. Um, I got one last question, and I kind of answered yep. it to everybody because it's—I'm always interested. Um, do you remember where you were the first time you heard Angel on the radio? Uh, no, but I, I can tell you a funny. Oh, I can tell you two funny stories. Is that okay? Sure, absolutely. About it. In the early days of it. Um, well, it, well, sorry, actually. Okay, so. To make a living while we were, you know, when we were an up-and-coming band, just before, right up until Angel was released, I was driving taxi cabs in Melbourne. Okay. And there was a show that was kind of like uh, Solid Gold or something that, that was on every Sunday night in Melbourne, or in all of Australia, actually. And um, Semi and Angel was going to be on it on that Sunday night. And I was driving a cab that day and going to everyone in the cab, oh, guess what, I'm on countdown tonight. They looked at me and went, no, you're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, of course, it was on TV and, and it was one of those shows where after you'd been, because the whole country watched it, your, your life changed the next day. All of a sudden, people looked at you differently that have known you for years and go, oh, my God, you're that guy. Um, and another one is um, I had this really beaten up old car um, that I'd be driving around. I remember pulling up at the lights one time and Angel was on the radio and pulling up next to me was this beautiful girl in a red sports car and she was listening to the same radio and Angel, Angel was on and she was singing along to it. Okay. And I'm kind of in my beaten up old I'm, I'm trying to get her attention, you know. She finally looks over and I'm trying to go, it's me, it's me. And she just sort of had this horror look on her face, didn't recognize me at all and just sort of bit off. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I, I'm always telling you know, if if I'm telling people so it's usually me being an idiot, you know, how silly, how silly it is being a pop star supposedly. Yeah. Well, I, I guess when you, you can laugh at yourself, you know, it makes life a little bit easier, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But David, this was fantastic. I really appreciate your time, and uh, hope you feel better. Okay. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of getting better. I've got I've got a 4 a.m. call to get to the airport to get to Seattle and. Um, and I sang pretty well the other night, so I'm thinking okay. it'll be okay. But, yeah, I've got to do today's washing, get your watch repaired, get a haircut, do this, pay the bills back home. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty no, mundane. Yeah, a day off is truly not a day off, right? <laughs> no, it's not a day off. Yeah. And a special thanks to David for joining me today. Go check out the band on Twitter at Real Life AU. The website is reallifemusic.net. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first all 19 Be sure to like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show's on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. Go to livingmyyouth.threadless.com for all your merchandise. 
hoodies, t-shirts, phone cases, stickers, whatever it's on there. A new episode comes out every Wednesday, and we'll see you next week.